guys. Jim Cox, Devon Financial Partners, Park Avenue Securities. And I'm here today with an interview with Steve Smith. He's a CEO and founder of OrganicShopping.com. And I came across uh, his uh, website, his uh, project, and was intrigued by kind of the, the idea behind it and how it uh, integrated with kind of changes that are happening in the food space. So, Steve, thanks for taking the time to chat today. Thank you, James. Um, yeah, my name is Steve Smith. Uh, I'm a, one of the co-founders of OrganicShopping.com. Uh, prior to that, I've had quite a few startups, um, mostly in the, recently in the consumer space and the financial technology. And we, my partners now, there's five of us, we identified that there was, uh, we could apply technology that we've already developed to this particular type of business model. And what we were doing basically is we're connecting up the local farmers to the big consumer bases in the cities with the reasonable shipping, reasonable prices, and fast shipping, as well as the non-perishable uh, organic foods. And so this comes with quite a few challenges on the logistics side, as well as the order management and things like that. And that's what we have already done in the past, and we're retrofitting some of our technology to meet these challenges. That's pretty much it in a nutshell. So what's, what's ultimately the goal, to get more people to use organic food? Yeah, the, the real goal is, is to connect up the local organic farmers and the regional organic farmers to the big consumer uh, centers, whereas now they have, you know, the challenge is mainly technical. Do they have an order management system? Are they technically proficient? Uh, and the cost associated with digital marketing. So that can be quite technical these days. And customer acquisition cost is an important factor that a lot of these people probably don't understand. So with our history, we're able to drive large volumes of web traffic and focus on conversions as well as provided technology where they can simply add their products in and all the order management and inventory control is handled for them and as well as the branding and things like that that we do so it's uh yeah it's 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 quite a challenge on our end to make it as simple as possible on both the buyer and the seller side and so it's all full custom built uh, Ruby on Rails on the back end, uh, EmberJS on the front, which is similar to Instacart. So yeah, we're 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 finding new things that uh, you know we keep adding, and we'll continue to add different modules as we go when we see uh, some some spaces. But yes, and to answer the question further, is we do believe that from from a digitalization perspective that the market is changing. You know, people are buying online their groceries now, which was always something people wanted to do, but they never really, it never took uh, traction until recently. And so everything's going mobile, you know, 60% of your web traffic's mobile. So everything needs to be mobile first, and anything along those lines requires some pretty uh, latest and greatest technology due to the way those systems operate. So it's, it's that, that's the, the, the core focus for us, and we're close to, we actually have mock-up farms right now running some tests and we will be doing a, a beta launch uh, as soon as we're trying to get it out this month, but uh, most likely it's going to be next month because the second part is adding the non-perishables. So the idea is basically to, to cut out the grocery store from the link in terms of the food chain. Right. So the smaller farms, for example, and even some of the regional ones, 
there's a couple of issues. So the small farms don't have the volumes. They don't have the capability to sell through the standard supply chain, whether that's going through the all the way through the wholesalers into the grocery store. And then the large farms are having terrible margin problems because they can't export a problem with the dollar and uh, duties and things like that. So everybody's being squeezed one way or the other. The small farms are having to go to, still having to go to local farmers markets and multiple times a month to make small volumes of sales. So we know we can bring, you know, high volume web traffic and, and bring those conversions to these small farms as well as increase some margins for the larger farms if they become interested in this program as well. So that's that's one of the, the main focuses that we're, we're going after. So the idea is really to, to form an electronic farmer's market, really, is what you're talking about. In a sense, because that's just a part of it. We'll have the non-perishables as well, so it'll be a full, we'll have the full offering. So the, the, the idea is to be the one-stop shop for all your organic needs. And the, the great thing is, is the organic uh, market is now at $50 billion and growing somewhere around 15% year over year. And then following behind that is the online grocery shopping market, which, you know, the idea has been around since the Internet, but it, it didn't really gain traction until recently. That market's at about $18 billion and growing about 20% year over year. So you've got a whole new generation coming in that's going to do nothing but, you know, buy most of their groceries and everything online, and they're also very health conscious. They want to know what the backstory is to their foods. They want to make sure it's it's grown properly. And then you've got an, another uh, issue with climate change, whereas some of these farms are going to have to shift their entire operation, probably move closer to these city centers and things like that. And any kind of data control that we're going to build up, then we can apply that to crop planning and things like that. So... I mean, one of the challenges with farming is a lot of times you don't know what you're going to have in terms of supply to offer to people to be able to sell. How do you bridge the information gap that, you know, what might be available for consumers from the farm perspective? Yeah, that, that's a very good question and a challenge that uh, we, we're addressing ourselves. Obviously, we have to. So the, the simple answer is from where we are now, we, we can provide, you know, it, it's the market. If the farms have the product, they can put it in there. And then our system will basically place those farms that have product, you know, at the top of the display. Going forward, as we build up data, um, then we'll come in and use some artificial intelligence and make recommendations on future planning and saying, look, based on last year's usage kind of a thing, you know, if you guys pumped up your production in these particular areas uh, in to- just in time for these particular uh, seasons, you know, so we've addressed the seasonal issue, then uh, that that's one approach we'll take, and that requires data and usage and history. Um, also, as we discussed before, you have different farming technology where you can grow, whether in greenhouses or in container-like uh, applications, where they can get online pretty quick, and then they can fill in shortages and things like that. And they, they don't require as much uh, planning in that sense because they're 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 much quicker. So that's the that, that's I think where it's heading, and where it probably is going to have to move towards if this climate change problem continues to just make things unpredictable in regards to droughts and the weather and things like that. You have to go more high-tech. Gotcha. So one of the challenges I would imagine would be 
you know, the cost of shipping of goods, um, especially if it's in smaller quantities, how do you overcome the issue of, uh, of shipping charges and so forth? So the, the way we're dealing with it now is if you take the UPS ground map, and, and I'm going to use the state of Texas, for example. So within the one-day ground delivery uh, zone, you've got about two-thirds of the state of Texas with, with hundreds of organic USDA-certified organic farms. So there is definitely more cost because you've got rural, you know, rural uh, pickup charges and things like that. But we've been able to get that figured out uh, by a combination of UPS and USPS initially to where we can charge a 999 checkout a shipping fee for the for the farm to get to the consumer base um, and as that continues on and we get the margins and everything fixed right then we'll be able to offer you know minimum orders with free shipping and so that's actually something we've uh, been discussing on the exact way to do that over the last uh, few weeks and we have some pretty good outside consultants for that people that have built some big uh, logistics business based on uh, using United States Postal Service uh, systems as well as UPS and hybrid type scenarios. Cool. Awesome. So what do you um, what do you see as far as the growth perspective? Uh, the What's the website? It's organicshopping.com? That's correct. And so you're going to have a growth model that basically starts in one market, which is what, in, in Texas? That's correct. So our first consumer market, we're launching in Austin. And the reason is they've got a history, of, obviously, with Whole Foods of adopting organic uh, products, as well as it's a reasonably sized uh, you know, market to start with, consumer market, about $1.2 million. So the... We our growth projections. We think because it all comes down to the customer acquisition cost, which filters all the way down to how much it costs per click and things like that, and which channels you go through, and if you find some good partner channels that you can scale. So the growth, it's a based on our financial projections. Probably shouldn't go into too much into investment, but the uh, the returns on growth, for example, on marketing spend. If we put in $100,000 in marketing spend, we're going to get 17 times valuation to that is how we've got to put in. So that's pretty simple to calculate up if you want to look at scale. And so the, the market, you know, we've got a couple of mainstream competitors, uh, one indirect and one direct, that have launched recently. Uh, with valuations well over a billion, so Instacart being one on online grocery, valuation over four billion within a few years. Uh, Thrive is our key competitor on non-perishable, with valuation now within 36 months of launch over a billion. So those two guys have demonstrated the demand in the market. So there's plenty of room for a third entrant, uh, which is where we want to be, and we're kind of addressing the problem in a different way. Um, and that that's the that's the real focus that that we have here. But the key is is having a near perfect user experience on both the seller side and the buyer side, mobile first, you know, fast and friendly, that kind of that kind of thing with a great user experience, and that's that's the core focus that we have. So, how is your site or app different than Thrive or Instacart? So, Instacart is providing a Uber style delivery service from a handful, quite a few actually, of grocery stores. And so they make their money by putting a markup on that grocery store price. 
uh, uh, Thrive, they're non-perishable organic, and their model is you pay a membership fee uh, every year, an annual membership fee. And so the way we're approaching it, and, and Thrive doesn't have uh, perishables. They, they recently started selling some meats. So the problem that's been difficult to solve for us that we think we've got solved is connecting up the local and regional organic farms, and ultimately we'll probably have some access to some of the major farms as well. So you have the local produce with a quick delivery as well as the non-perishable, and then get the price points correct. So the idea is you want these folks coming back to your site and making their standard grocery store purchases with you on, on a multiple times a month basis. And so, you know, the key is driving higher checkouts as well as uh, higher per weighted average user usage. And that's, that's the, the focus on when it comes to the metrics on customer acquisition and how we can maintain that client and keep on top of those clients and keep uh, happy and, and therefore buying things. So that, that's the, the core approach. Have you looked so at... That's the, go, go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm, I'm done. You can go ahead. How do, have you looked at the um, difference in terms of um, spoilage? I mean, uh, one of the things you're taking out is the grocery store and kind of the lag time between harvest and sitting in a store and waiting for somebody to purchase it. Um, what's the improvement in terms of you know life of produce or vegetables? by taking out that and, and basically shipping it from farm being harvested to the consumer? Right. So that's a, a good question. And so the way uh, we have it structured now is we're, we're sourcing from the local farms. And so when their product is ready and they put it on the site and it sells, it's going to be delivered within a day. And so that there's pretty much it's difficult to get more fresh than farm fresh. So as it would normally go, it would go through, a, for example, an import process, and they would uh, treat the product, and they would go into wholesale, and then the wholesale would go into the grocery, and you've got a, a time delay between all of those points. And so here we're, we're eliminating all those time delays and just going direct what's to the, stores within a day delivery. What's the usual time delay getting it from farm to store? I'm not sure. The last I checked, it was it varied. You know, I guess it depends if you're dealing with international, if you're going by container or by air or by rail. Well, I mean, if you're looking at, like, local farms is all I'm saying. I mean, apples to apples, so to speak, comparison. I think with the local farms, they're running through the co-ops, and the co-ops run through the wholesalers, and the wholesalers go to through the brokers, and the brokers into the grocery stores. And so you have a little mix of the brokers carry some inventory, the wholesalers are holding inventory. And I'm not totally sure the exact number on how many days between farm to table it is, but it, it's it's definitely slower than from farm to consumer. Gotcha. That, that I can I can say for sure. So what um, what advantages do you think that this has in terms of in terms of um, people's eating experience i mean do you see more people eating healthier i mean what's you see it being less expensive than going to the grocery store that's what our, our hope and we haven't yet set price controls or suggested retail we want to let the market kind of settle that initially but the hope is is that the organic locally sourced organic foods become you know about the same price as if you bought 
your food from the grocery store, if not even cheaper. So it, it just seems economically logical that if they're going through multiple cell, you know, points of markup by the time they get to the, re- to the table, that there's space, and we're not holding on to a huge commission in the middle, that there's space for them to set the prices to be comparable or less than what they're getting at the grocery store. The experience, we're encouraging these, it's part of our our model is to make sure that the farms are well represented. There's a interview with them, their processes are displayed, and that the people can communicate directly with them. And we're also encouraging them to have open houses and things like that. So it's, it's more of a social experience where you get to know, not only do you know where it's coming from, but you get to know more specific about their processes and the care they take and things like that, which seems to be pretty popular now. And so as we go forward and as people start hearing all the negative news, such as you've heard with Roundup and things like that, um, you know, there, there's there's definitely quite a few positives with buying local, which is A, it's local, it's a U.S. product, it's close by, and you'll know exactly how it's made and where it comes from. And that's, that's important for a lot of consumers. Yeah, I think that's important to have that connection to like a, a local space and be able to put a name to a face and or a oh, yeah. food to uh, to a and, face. And, and just to add to that, and so people have asked, what about Amazon? And, and my answer to that from a personal That was my next question, yeah. Okay, so, so from, a, from a personal experience, and I'm sure everybody varies, but if you go to Amazon and you type in a product and you see, you know, 25, 30, 40 plus sellers of the same product at different prices, you have no idea where it's coming from. And so just that feeling, there's no way I would buy my food from that because you have no clue where it's coming from. So it's, you know, you're 100% dependent on, on Amazon having some, you know, a, 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 a near trillion dollar company having some control over the food supply. And it, you, you know, theoretically, that can't be totally possible. So it's that, it's that feeling of, you know, if you type in Ritz crackers on Amazon, you've got 25 suppliers. I mean, who are these people? Mm-hmm. You know, who's handling your food? And that, that to me, I think is a negative. And, and why Amazon is struggling with that, they tried to do, uh, and they're still trying to do their Amazon Fresh, which they're running uh, produce and perishables through their st- typical uh, fulfillment method, and they had a huge 60-some-odd percent spoilage rate, so it was somewhat of a failure. So that's why we decided to go farm direct. You know, we don't have to deal with a spoilage problem. It's what's available at the farm, and it goes direct to the consumer. And then the non-perishable is much easier to deal with from a fulfillment perspective. Well, I think there's a there's a big movement also in terms of people wanting to support local farms as opposed to factory Absolutely. farms. And so being able to kind of reestablish that kind of agrarian connection, I think, is um, is kind of something people are yearning for anyway. Yeah, and there's, there's quite a few social things around that because, uh, you know, these farmers are struggling. Yeah. And that's actually part of our, when, we, when we're talking to uh, potential new partners is that, you know, help us help these, these folks because they're getting squeezed by the imports and things like that. And, and this needs to be localized and this is the best way to do it, to be able to, to, to bring anybody of any size into it without them having to go through a huge learning curve. We already know that learning curve and we're going to do what we have, what's our best capability to drive the best amount of traffic and help them grow and, and things like that. So they don't have, they can focus on farming and making great food and healthy food rather than having to figure out how they're going to sell it. 
That's awesome. So once you finish the the test um, run or the beta in Texas, and then what? You expand nationwide? You expand regionally? Like, what are the the plans in terms of growth? Yeah, we'll probably go city by city because yeah. obviously we need to load up the uh, seller side of it before we launch into a consumer base. So the, the, we put up a directory site about a year ago uh, just to kind of get the feel for what uh, folks were, if they're interested or not. And just in, a, in 12 months with no keywords or anything like that, just organic uh, search, we ended up with almost 3,000 farmer emails wanting to participate in this program hmm. nationwide all wow. over the country and then um, about I think it was about a thousand consumer emails and so the conversion on that with, with no cost whatsoever was about three or three point eight percent so we launched our Facebook page and that's already grown less than a year to almost 19,000 likes so the pre-launch interest is quite strong and so now we just want to make sure that the user experience is is, is marquee, you know, is as good as it gets. Uh, of course, that's always something that is improved upon on a, on a regular basis, but we want to start out as, as well thought out as we possibly can. So you're going to start basically focusing on large urban areas like Los Angeles, San Francisco, New York, D.C.? Right. Well, probably the natural progression would be to go from Austin to Houston to Dallas or, or to Austin, Dallas, Houston, and then start. We, we've got contacts out in California that are on our advisory board that consult for the farms already. And they're, they, all these farmers say, this is what we're looking for. So you know, the next step from Texas would definitely be California and, and things like that because we've already got the connection there. And, and we'll, then we'll scale it from there. We've got a list of, uh, I think, 26,000 farms, USDA-certified organic farms, that uh, we'll start a, a contacting phase you know, to reach out to them and, and explain to them that we'll be uh, probably beta or launching in their, their region if they're interested, and let's get some discussion going and have some meetings and things like that. So, yeah, that's, that's the plan. Let's start in Austin, see how, how the metrics flow, and make sure the user experience on both sides is pretty solid and that if there's any fixes that need to be fixed, we'll do it, and then we'll expand to the different cities from there. Once you get the U.S. up and going, um, um, is it the goal to kind of do this worldwide, let's say in Europe or Asia and so forth? Yeah, absolutely, because it's a little bit different in Europe. I've, I've, I have some experience here in, in financial technology, so there's a bit more regulation, but the difference is that regulation is very straightforward. So it's easy to understand and clear. And so we would have to address the regulatory part first to make sure that there's not some sort of requirement to uh, sell through certain channels or what we need to do from a certification perspective and things like that. Um, but other than that, yes, Europe would definitely be because we're already seeing there are some services similar to what we're doing on a much smaller scale already in the UK and places like that. So it's possible, that's for sure, and to, to make it more of a nationwide single source marketplace is really the objective there, and to, to bridge everybody in together. So absolutely, international expansion is definitely in the cards. What do you think your competitive advantage is compared to everybody else? Like, What's the one thing that sets your app apart from anything else that is out there or possibly could come along? But the, when it comes to e-com, 
there's a there's a lot of e-com ideas. And so what's really the key with us is, is our team. So this is our third marketplace. We've got one operating here in Norway that's a, a consumer uh, marketplace that uh, where people can rent anything to other consumers, a peer-to-peer thing. And it's got a growth of about 250% year over year, and it's currently at 21,000 users. That's here in Norway with a population of just you know 5 million people and has a known low early adoption rate. So when it comes to the, the, the proof is in the pudding, you know, as we say, so when it comes to the user experience and the, uh, the digital marketing requirements to bring the traffic at a low customer acquisition cost and to grow, it's all about the team and the technology. And so it, that's really what separates us from uh, any of the other e-coms that come out because a lot of people have an idea, they, they put together some kind of uh, WordPress kind of thing. But this is full proprietary technology built from the ground up, and it, this particular application was running in a, in a space where there was independent retail shops with no web presence and managers with very little technical proficiency. And so that footprint is very similar to the small farm. And so we've already addressed real-world situation where you had a, somebody with very little technical proficiency, they didn't really have an order management system or a method to track anything or any data, and they didn't understand digital marketing, and they didn't have a web presence, and so we were able to put all that into a very clean and professional-looking user experience, a very simple application for them with the mobile app to, to put the products in and to track orders and, and deliver orders. So that, that's, that's the real competitive advantage here is being able to create that simplified method where they do as little as possible to sell product. And it's, it's very easy for them to use. And that, that's, the, that's on the seller side. And on the, of course, on the, on the consumer side is, is you know, getting the right channels and at the right price to make those conversions. That's awesome. Um, if somebody wants to um, learn more about um, the app and the site, what should they do? How should they contact you? Uh, well, the, the main uh, email is info at organicshopping.com, and we, we check that all the time. And, of course, on our Facebook page, we we try to respond to those messages, as you know, James, as quickly yeah. as possible. Yeah. Uh, so you it's can impressive. reach out to us on Facebook, on, on our messenger, or at info at organicshopping.com, and we would love to discuss any ideas you might have. Awesome. Because we're, de- we're definitely open to ideas. We're always open to ideas. Well, I appreciate you taking the time, Steve, to uh, chat, and um, you know, I look forward to following up once you're uh, into the beta and kind of uh, seeing the results of what you've been able to put together and where it grows from there. I mean, we'll have to catch up in the fall. Great. Thank you very much, James. I appreciate this opportunity. Sounds good. Thank you.